All right, guys. Well, we are in week two. Last week, we started our new series called Light. And here's what we did. What we said last week is when Jesus says he is the light of the world, what he is saying is that you got to imagine this picture of this, that all of humanity, every single one of us here in this room, we are in like this dark cave. And we're in this dark cave, and in this dark cave, we are imprisoned, we are chained to this rock that is in front of us. And we're left there to, no, to not be able to move at all, and we're left there to stare at this wall our entire lives in this dark cave. And on this dark cave, on the wall in front of us are shadows that are being cast. And there are shadows because outside of the cave there's a light that's shining, and anytime something walks by the entrance of that cave, a shadow is cast upon that wall. And what we said is each and every one of those shadows, those are good things in our life that we turn into ultimate things. Those are things that, that, I mean, we're in this cave and all we can see are these shadows. And so we start building our life around these shadows. We make these things our identity and these could be anything at all. But what we said last week is that every single shadow that we see is screaming at us that it is is not the ultimate thing. Every shadow is screaming at us that we have desires for what is outside of the cave, for the light that is outside of the cave. That's what our hearts are beating for. That's what we're longing for. And then we see Jesus come in and say, I am the light that is outside of that cave and I've come into your world. And I've come here to rescue you. That was last week. This week, is all about finding your freedom. So what I want you to think about right now, here's how I want to start with this question. Do you even know what real freedom feels like? Or have you been held captive to, and you're chasing after a freedom, but it's really just a phony freedom. Could it be that freedom for you right now is just living in this large prison when what God wants for you is an ocean to swim in and a sky to soar in? That's what Jesus is teaching us today. We're in John 8, we're in verse 31 through 47. It's gonna be up on the screen. You can follow along with me. So here's what it says. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word and you are truly my disciples, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and we, have been enslaved to, we haven't been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say we will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, anyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham. You seek to kill me, though, because my words find no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you are Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me. A man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They say to, said to him, we're not born out of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. 
for I came from God and I am here. I came not on my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the very beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? I tell you the truth. Why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Jesus says something that has become very popular today and something that a lot of times is taken out of context. And he says, the truth will set you free. So the first question that we've got to ask is what does Jesus mean by freedom? What is freedom? What is real freedom? What is the truth about freedom? A lot of times people will say, Christianity does not sound very free to me. It sounds enslaving. I mean, I don't want, they'll say, I don't want, you talk about a God who tells you how to live. That doesn't sound very free, someone might say. But the Christian comes to this understanding that everyone is enslaved to something. Now, you might be saying, I'm not enslaved to anything. I don't think that's true. Well, listen. Listen to this. When you chase, let's say you make freedom your highest priority. When you chase after freedom, making it your highest priority, you actually become enslaved to chasing after that freedom. That freedom starts becoming your master. Because you've got to keep chasing it, and even if you find it, you got to make sure you keep it. And so you become enslaved to capturing that freedom. <laughs> We're all enslaved to something. The question is, what is the thing that once we give ourselves over to it, will set us free? What is the thing that once we give ourselves over to it, it will set us free? I want you to think of freedom like this. Freedom is not doing what you want to do. Freedom is doing what you're meant to do. Freedom's not doing what you want to do, it's what you're meant to do. Or better yet, real true freedom is wanting to do what you're meant to do. Now, who better knows how you are meant to live than your creator? Who better knows how you are meant to live than the one who has designed you? True freedom is about giving yourself over to the only one who can make you soar. So our culture has this view of freedom. Let's say, let's say you're an eagle, because that would be really cool to be able to be an eagle. So let's say you're an eagle, and our culture's view of freedom, if you're an eagle, is to say, eagle, you can be whatever you want to be. You can do whatever you want to do. So you, as the eagle, say, okay, well, I want to run like a deer. Now, I don't know a lot about eagles, but I know that they look pretty funny when they're trying to run. It looks pretty ridiculous, and it doesn't look very free. It looks enslaving. But as soon as you see that eagle take off in flight, you say, man, that looks free. 
the eagle begins to do what it's meant to do. Let's take me, for instance. With our culture's view of freedom, I say, well, you know what? I want to do what I want to do, whatever I want to do, and so what I want to do is be an NFL lineman. Now, I don't know if you've seen what an NFL lineman looks like, but it's not what I look like. If I sat in on one down in a real NFL game, I would come out looking like a squash bug because I'm not meant to be an NFL lineman. I'm not made. I'm not designed for it. So when I first, when I first started wanting to sing, I wanted to sing the high notes. So I picked songs that were high, and what kept happening is I kept losing my voice. It hurt, and I sounded like, you know the, you know the, the last sound that a whoopee cushion makes when it's almost finished? Well, that's what I ended up sounding like because I was trying to hit notes that I wasn't meant to hit. It was only when I started singing the notes that I'm meant to sing that I was free in my singing. Freedom is doing what you're meant to do. Could it be that you want freedom so bad that you see God as a hindrance to your freedom, and so you're avoiding him. But by avoiding him, what you're actually doing is enslaving yourself because he's the only one that can set you free because he's the one who's made you and he's designed you to live a certain way and he wants to teach you how to live that way. Real freedom is about giving yourself over to the one who made you. And some of you have made freedom such a priority that you don't want to commit to God because you think he's going to enslave you, but really he's the one that sets you free. Let me show you what I mean. I mean, do you see what you've done? By, by doing that, you're actually enslaving yourself. And let me, let me show you what I mean. Let's say you meet somebody. Let's say you, you're a single person and you meet somebody and you start loving this person. But freedom is your highest priority. Well, here's what happens. When you love somebody, you start becoming more and more committed to them. And then in committing to them, what you find is that you're not quite free the way that you want to be free, especially if freedom is your highest priority. And so you say, I got to get the heck out of here because I'm going to lose my freedom. And that what you find is you're not actually free to love because freedom has become a higher priority for you. So you're not really actually free. Or if you have a great friend, and that friend starts going through some things. See, when people go through things, we need to be there for them, and that requires a higher degree of commitment to them, and that threatens our freedom. And when that happens, we're out of there. So we can't commit to friendships because of that, because freedom has become too high of a priority. It's become the ultimate priority, and then look what happens. We're not really free to love anymore. And think of this, if you're always thinking that the grass is greener on the other side, then you are enslaved to having your nose pressed up against the top of the fence, looking over on the other side, and you are enslaved to that position, always thinking something's better over here. You're wanting to be free, so something's better over here. There's a better freedom over here. All the while, you're in this great place where God has put you on purpose, and you're not being committed to this area, and you're not being committed to this place because... You're so worried that you're going to lose your freedom. This is especially true for young people in our area. Young people, you guys are terrified of staying here. 
and your nose is always on the fence looking over at the other side, hoping that there's going to be something better, and you're so chasing after freedom that you're missing what God has for you to do right here. The real question in all of this is what will actually give you real freedom? And, and the first thing you've got to do is you've got to know where to go to find this freedom. So here's what Jesus says. He says, if you abide in my word, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. <laughs> you, this is what he's saying here. If you want to know what real freedom is, if you want to know where to go to find real freedom, he says, this is where you got to go. You got to go to the Bible. You got to go to the scriptures. You got to go to God's word. And this is where people get hung up right away. They say, well, can we really trust what the Bible says? I mean, wasn't this really just written by a bunch of guys? We talk quite a bit about the trustworthiness of scripture, so I'm not going to get into all of it. So all I would say is if you have questions about the Bible, keep coming around because we're going to be answering them or get in a community of people who can talk about them. But here's the bottom line, what I want you to hear. The bottom line is that the person throughout the history of the world, the person who's most been followed throughout the history of the world, Jesus Christ, the one who the Bible is pointing to, he says his ultimate authority is the scripture. So he says, make that your ultimate authority too. And if you do, what you will find is that in it is the truth and the truth will set you free. And, and here's the question that you gotta be asking yourself. If you haven't made the Bible the final authority in your life, what is your final authority? Because we all have something, whether we want to admit it or not, we all have something that is our highest authority on what truth is. We all make something our final authority on truth. And sometimes people will say, and this sounds very humble, but they'll say, you know, we can't really know truth. We can't really know if there's an absolute truth, so we really shouldn't say there's an absolute truth. I have a friend um, who would say that a lot, and one day I asked him, I said, can you know absolute truth? And he said, no. And I said, are you absolutely sure? And he said, yes. And I said, you said that you are absolutely sure that we can't be absolutely sure. You guys don't see what he did? Okay. You can nod. You can let me know. that. Thank you. Do you see what's happened, though? We all have something that we are making our absolute truth. The question is, what is it? And can it set us free? Here's the other thing people will do. They'll say, okay, yeah, there's an absolute truth. I'll say that. There's an absolute truth. But each person should determine for themselves what truth is. So, so okay, let's say there's a guy who says, you know what? Truth for me is flying a plane into the side of a building. We immediately say, okay, never mind. That guy should not be able to determine what is right or wrong or what is truth for him. So we say, okay, what we need to do, we need to have a community of people. We need to have a society. We need to have this group of people who decide what is truth. But here's the problem with that. That produced the Holocaust. And by the way, anytime you see the New Testament take root in a place, in a group of people, in a society, and it takes root as the ultimate authority for them, what you find is that 
that society is flourishing, if they're really taking the Bible as their authority and they're reading it as it's being meant to be read, you find flourishing in that society. So just on a practical level, it makes the most sense to make Christianity, to make the New Testament your highest authority on truth more so than anything else because of just simply the results. But, If you're honest with yourself, the real reason that you don't want to trust the Bible is because you don't want it to have authority over you. You don't want it to claim the life that you ought to be living for you. And that's fine to say that, but please realize that then there is something else that is claiming authority over your life and teaching you how you ought to live. Whatever that is, here's my question for you. What kind of life is it giving you? And is it setting you free? Jesus is saying, he, he is the word of truth and the truth will set you free. Many of you aren't coming to Christ or you're kind of going halfway in with him because there's a couple things in the Bible that you don't agree with. Now here, I want you to hear this. You will never understand the Bible the way you are meant to understand it until you go to Christ. Because he says he is the light. And what happens is when you read the Bible without him, you're reading it in the dark. It's not making any sense to you. But as soon as you go to him, you begin reading it in the light. And the things that you read before that you thought sounded weird, all of a sudden they start becoming beautiful because you're reading them with him. You're reading them in the light. And the other thing you got to know is that you're never going to meet God the way you're meant to meet him until you give yourself over to Christ and read the Bible as you're giving yourself over to Christ. So the Bible's saying, if you want to know God, it's right in here. Give yourself over to this. Make your home in this. Live in this scripture. And if you do that, you will know God. But you will never know what scripture is saying until you read it in the light, until you go to Christ. And I realize, listen, that's a faith position. But okay, that's fine. It is a faith position. But whatever you are putting your faith in, you're putting your faith in something, it's whatever your final authority is, the question is, what are you putting your faith in day to day that's teaching you how to live? What is it for you? One of the, I mean, if we're honest, one of the reasons why people don't like the Bible is because of what it says about us. But here's my question. Can we really trust how we see ourselves? Or are we really seeing ourselves with these rose-colored glasses? See, what the Bible is saying is that it is going to tell us about ourselves, and it has the truth. It's a new lens about how we ought to see ourselves. That's what the Bible's saying. And so what the Bible gives us is the most honest the Bible is the most honest with us about us. And that's the first part of the truth that sets us free. Jesus says, here's what he says. Okay, 
he comes to us and he says, okay, are you ready? So just think about this for you. Are you ready to hear the truth? He says, okay, are you ready? Here it is. There's two parts of the truth. The first part is the truth about us, and the second part is the truth about him. He says, the first part, the truth about us, he says this. We are all, ready? He's going to offend you a little bit. He says, we are all slaves to sin. He's saying that no matter what, however much we want to be free and chase after freedom, we're always going to be slaves to sin. What Jesus is saying is that he is the light of the world that has come outside of the cave, and when the light shines, it exposes our slavery to sin. You say, okay, see, that's why I don't want to read the Bible, because it says a bunch of stuff like this. Listen, this is good news. Let me tell you. The reason we don't see our slavery to sin, the reason that we don't want to see that or the reason we don't see that is because we're in the dark. People say it's offensive to say that we're slaves to sin. It is offensive. But you know what? When you come into the light and you really start seeing that maybe you really are a slave to sin, you don't start worrying about it's offensive anymore. You know what you start worrying about? Where's my rescuer? What am I going to do about this? What I have found is the people that are closest to Christ are the most aware that they're a slave to sin. But yet at the same time, they still have peace because they have a rescuer. The most godly people I know are the most aware of their sin. They're the most humble of all people. And they realize, because they realize that they've been rescued by grace. So when, ladies, you'll know this. So um, when women put makeup on, they want to put, it, put the makeup on in the brightest spot. Why do they want to do that? Because you can see all of your blemishes. You can see, I'm sorry, ladies. You can see your pimples. You can see whatever it is, and you, ha- and you can best cover it up because you can see the imperfections. Walking close to Christ, the light, walking close to him, the light reveals your sin, reveals your blemishes. It reveals your spiritual pimples. Adam and Eve, when they came into the presence of God, they felt the most shame when they were in the presence of him. He does something about it, but the light is shining on them and they realize that they're naked. They realize they have something to be ashamed about. Now, I know this is a downer, but listen, this is good for you to know that you're a slave to sin. Why would I say that? Because... It's finally then when you realize that, that you start looking for this great chain breaker, for the one that's come to set you free, for the one that's come to rescue you. It doesn't always feel good to have your sins exposed, but in the long run, it will set you free because it's preparing you to meet the greatest man, the God man who came into the world to come and rescue you, the light, the savior of your soul, the one who set you free. It's preparing you to meet him. And if you don't see that you're a slave to sin, you'll never go to him. So you'll be missing out on the greatest thing that has ever happened in the history of the cosmos, God coming into the world. You'll miss out on it because you don't see that you're a slave to sin. That's why he said he came to call not the righteous, but the sinner. 
because the righteous person doesn't see their sin. They think that they're righteous, but what, what the Bible says is nobody is righteous. Everyone is a slave to sin, and it's only the person who comes in the light that realizes that, and then they go running to him. He's call, come to call the sinner. If someone says they're a Christian, and there is no sign of them thinking that they are a sinner, I can promise you that is not a Christian. That is somebody who thinks that they are Christian, but they are not. A Christian is the first to say, I'm a slave to sin, but I got a rescuer. What are the hard truths that you need to hear? It's going to drive you to your rescuer. If the people who know you the best, you were in the dark and all of a sudden the light was turned on and they could see you and they know you the best and they had full reign to tell you what they see, what would they say? What would they say about your blemishes, about your pimples? What would they say about your spiritual blemishes? What would they say the way is that you live your life? They were the most honest with you. If you gave them the freedom to say, say tell me the things that I don't want to hear, tell me. What would they say? See, the, I'll tell you this. The hard truth for me to hear is that I'm a slave to the approval of others. I crave it. I want it. And I tell you this. If anything going wrong in my life can almost always be traced back to this. If earlier, if I'm, being, if I'm angry at somebody, if I'm being way too overly defensive, you could usually say that earlier that day, Somebody said something about me that made me feel maybe bad about myself, but I couldn't let it go. And so it festered inside of me, and then I blew up at somebody later on. So maybe some of you are like me, you're approval junkies. Maybe some of you are slaves to being in control. And you're, you love being in control. You have to be in control. And then somebody comes in, and they start taking control of something, and you're like, oh, my gosh, what is happening right now? This is freaking me out. And you've got to go, and you've got to figure out how to get the control back. And so maybe you push them out of the way. Maybe you belittle them to get them out of there so that you can get the control back, so you can get the reins back. You're slave to control. Or maybe some of you are slaves to comfort. You know, in our area, the biggest slavery that our that our city is in is we are slaves to comfort we want comfort badly and so here's what happens we have friends who are going through something it's not comfortable when your friends are going through something because you need to be there for them so you're out of there or hey jesus doesn't always call us to the most comfortable life He says, love people no matter what. So we say, ah, I don't know. I mean, I like Jesus, but it seems like a little bit much for the church. Now, we're called not to come to church. We're called to be the church. And to be the church means we're, we're there for people. If they burp like that happened over there, we say, that's okay. I'm sorry I did that to you. <laughs> <laughs> that was so mean. Please forgive me. You have to because we're the church. Um, <laughs> um, or, or maybe you're a slave to being in power. 
And if somebody comes in and is more powerful than you, you've got to beat them down. You've got to talk bad about them. You've got to do something to get the power back. And I've I got to tell you this. Your money, the way you spend your money, that's a very clear picture for you about what you're a slave to. And you've got to do some digging here, and you've got to ask yourself, why am I doing the things that I'm doing here with my money? You know, maybe, maybe you've got really nice car, really nice house, And you've got this lifestyle that you're chasing. But maybe your spouse wants to go on a date and you're like, ah, we don't have the money for that. It's because you're a slave to having a certain type of lifestyle. Something is telling you how to use your money. What is it? What is it telling you? What is it teaching? Don't, guys, come on. Don't you want to be free from this? Don't you want to have real freedom to not be enslaved by the approval of others, not be enslaved by having control, not be enslaved by having this comfort, not be enslaved by these things, whatever it is for you? I hope you've identified what you're a slave to because if you don't think you're a slave to anything, you're even worse off, the chains are even tighter and you have because you have no idea that you're a slave. The worst way to be a slave is to not know that you're one. So Jesus says, come on, don't you want to be free? He says, here's how. Here's the second half of the truth that makes you free. Jesus comes to you in the cave and he says, give yourself over to me and I'll make you free. Give me all of you and I will make you free indeed. And here's the thing. When we give ourselves over to him, the light, he doesn't just expose our sins he destroys the power that it has over us. He frees us from the slavery that we have to our sin. He's the only master who doesn't enslave us, but sets us free. He's the only one who knows how we are meant to live and then changes our desires so that we will want to live the way that we're meant to live. He's the only one who works on our heart that way. And in Christ, we become free sons and daughters of God and without him we remain slaves and orphans. I want to show you some characteristics of people who are sons and daughters of God and people who are slaves. Slaves feel alone. You feel alone. Slaves feel alone but sons and daughters have this growing assurance of the presence of a loving heavenly father. If you're lonely, stop acting like a slave. Go to him and he'll show you that you have a loving heavenly father who is with you always. Slaves feel anxious about relationships, about their money, and about their health. Sons and daughters know that they have a heavenly father that is caring for them, always. Slaves live their lives based on performance. Sons and daughters know that no matter what they do, they are loved. Slaves feel guilty. Sons and daughters feel forgiven. Slaves feel the need to have control. Sons and daughters give control all to their loving Heavenly Father because they trust Him. Slaves, they need more power. Sons and daughters give power away freely because they have a God who came into the world and gave all of his power away on the cross and so they follow after him giving all of their power away. 
do you see, I hope you see this, do you see now that true freedom isn't about not having an authority, it's about having the right authority. It's about having the authority that will set you free. It's about having the authority that loves you more than anything else in this world. It's about having an authority that loves you more than you love yourself and treats you better than you treat yourself. I hope you guys know this, and I'm sure you do by now, but you guys aren't so nice to yourselves. You know what I'm talking about, Joe. Every time I get with Joe, he goes, don't mess with me, man. So listen, uh, you don't love yourselves like you should. You don't treat yourselves like you should. But here's what happens. When you give yourselves over to him, to Christ, you got to ask yourself, how's he going to treat me? Let's look. Here's what we find. When we finally give ourselves over to him, here's what we find. You who are guilty and a slave to that guilt, on the cross, he becomes guilty in your place so that you can be free. You who are enslaved to desires that are not good for you, on the cross, he becomes a slave so that he might set your affections and your desires upon him and he will give you and show you everything that is good for you. He will help you to stop taking good things and making them ultimate things and make him the ultimate thing and then now you can enjoy all the things in your life because you have everything that you need in him. There's no pressure anymore on your spouse. There's no pressure anymore on your kids. There's no pressure anymore on your career because you have enough in him. Remember when we said, Women put makeup on to cover up their blemishes. Sorry I'm picking on you ladies. Well, Christ is our spiritual makeup. And he's covered our sins permanently with permanent makeup forever to be covered by his perfection. And remember when we said Adam and Eve, they ran from God and they were ashamed. And so do you know what God did? He covered them, in their shame, he covered them with animal skin. Now, do you know, this is the first time death enters into the world. An animal has to die to cover up their shame. Death had not entered in the world until this point. Jesus Christ goes to the cross and dies so that our shame might be covered by his goodness, by his perfection. Now we go into the presence of a loving heavenly father with confidence, knowing that there's nothing that we have to do. We're already covered by all of him because we've given ourselves over to all of him, all of ourselves over to all of him. If you've never gone to him, give yourself over fully. And if you have, I can promise you that you've got more. I can promise you that you're holding back. There are parts of your life that you don't want to give over to him fully, and he wants all of it, so I say give it all to him. That's what he's saying. Take the risk. Go all in. And then he says, do that, and I'll make you soar. Freedom. Yeah. <laughs>
Father, we thank you that you're good. Um, we thank you that we are no longer slaves, but we're set free in you. God, it scares us to go all in with you. Part of us isn't, part of us isn't sure if we can trust you. God, I pray right now that for all of us, that you would show us the reasons why we can trust you, why we should trust you, why we should give ourselves over fully to you. And God, where we're holding on tight, I pray that you would help us take our hands off, that you would pry our hands off so we might give ourselves fully to you. Show us the grace that you have for us that's absolutely irresistible so we'll let go of being slaves and we'll take hold of being new sons and daughters of you. God, help us. Help us do this. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.